Welcome into Toastaville. I'm one of your hosts, Ebo, and on today's episode, we got a lot going on. We got a theater release, we got a streaming series, and we got a streaming movie. So we got a little bit for everybody. Well, on today's episode, it's early. I got me a nice full throttle I'm toasting with because we'll be talking about The Nun 2. Is it better? Is it worse than the first one, which was kind of, eh. You know, we have the One Piece Netflix live action series, say that five times fast, and we have Fear the Night, which is our smaller of the releases. So let's start out with The Nun 2. So this is brought to us by director Michael Chavez, who has previously brought us The Conjuring 3, which was pretty weak film. And The Curse of La Llorona, which was also a pretty weak film. And this serves as a direct sequel to The First Nun. So we have Tysa Farmiga back as Sister Irene, the nun with a plan. And we also have Jonas Bloquette back as Maurice. He was called Frenchy in the first film, but it's the same gentleman, same character. You know, he's kind of a handyman. Real nice guy. And the nun, Vecna, is just wreaking havoc, going to all these churches and killing different priests and whatnot and searching for something. But will Sister Irene be able to stop again? Um, the film, aside from Sister Irene and um, Storm Reed, who plays kind of like her little buddy, and of course uh, Maurice, this film also tailors a lot around Sophie, who's played by Caitlin Rose Downey, and her mother, Anna Popplewell, who was Susan, the older sister in Chronicles of Narnia. During this movie, I was like, where do I know her from? And then it hit me, and I was like, oh my god, that's old girl from Chronicles of Narnia. She still looks the same, just in this role, she's playing a mother, and she, I think she did a good job at that. So... This movie starts out kind of boring, just like the first one. Like, they're trying, but it's just nothing to write home about. Like, there's some real cheesy jump scares, and I'm just not feeling it. And then, at one point in this film, they're like, Oh, you, you thought you knew what was happening. You thought you had a clue. Oh, bet. Let's just lose our mind. And this movie goes off the rails it involves a uh let's just say you'll know it when you see it or shall i say when the flashlight shines on it because from that point on this movie just goes haywire and i was here for it it pulled me out of just kind of being bored and meh and it had me really like just enjoying just a fun you know horror movie and is it a perfect film? No. But like I said, when that point happens, I think most people who are horror fans are going to be in on it because that scene, it, that entire scene is crazy. So The Nun 2, I'm actually going to give like a 3.8, 3.9. Like, is it's a lot better than the first one. The first one 
had a, an incredible set, but it just didn't work for what people were expecting. This is closer to what people were expecting, but I still think these would be on the lower spectrum in terms of the Conjuring universe because they're very kind of over-the-top sci-fi-y. They're, they're closer to like what Insidious does than what Conjuring does. Alright, so next up we have One Piece. This is the live-action adaptation on Netflix based on the manga. And, you know, this, for those familiar, it has a card game. It also has the longest-running anime of all time. And this covers the equivalent of 95 chapters, the entire East Blues saga from the manga. And we have, you know, a bunch of characters. I'm just going to shout out a few real quick. Inaki Godoy, who played Monkey D. Luffy. Emily Rudd, who played Nami. Makinu, who played Roronoa Zoro. Peter Gaddiot, who played Shanks. Jeff Ward, who played Buggy the Clown. And McKinley Belcher, who plays Arlong the Fishman. And so, going into this... You know, I, I've been known to dabble. I In my younger years, I was much more, like, in on anime where I, I knew a lot more. But there's just so much these days. And One Piece is one I've never touched. So going into it, the only thing I knew is, I was like, okay, the main dude's name is Luffy. He wears a straw hat. And there's a talking reindeer. Now, the talking reindeer, Tony Tony Chopper, is not in this series. But... If you go by the chapters, he would have to be in season two if it gets greenlit for a season two. So, fingers crossed. But, I gotta say, this show was really good. It's a lot of fun. Like, it's one of those things you turn on and you enjoy and you're excited because... Let me tell you, uh, Inaki, who plays Monkey D. Luffy, he is picture-perfect casting... Because he feels like he knows it's an anime. Like, every action he does, you're like, this is somebody bringing an anime to live action. And all the other characters I named, uh, I specifically named these characters because I thought they did great. Emily Rudd as Nami. I thought she was very good. Makinu as Roronoa Zoro. He was really cool. Like... He also seemed um, the older version of him. Not the younger they do flashbacks, but the older version definitely felt very much like an anime. Uh, Peter Gaddiot, who's in it very little. I just really liked his character, Shanks, who Luffy gets the straw hat from. Jeff Ward as Buggy the Clown. It's a good performance, but I don't know. There's just something about him. He just doesn't seem like he fits. And he's like over the top and everything. There's I don't know what it is. And let me tell y'all, McKinley Belcher as Arlong, who's like the leader of the Fishmen, who's like easily like the top villain of this season. Um, he was really good. I love every time he came on, they changed the score to kind of this gritty underground vibe. And I really appreciate that because it really, you know, accents that 
people are unsettled when they see him. Not because he's a fisherman, but because he is Arlong. And he is, like, known as this, like, imposing force. But I have to say, as somebody who's never read the manga, as somebody who has never watched a single episode of the anime, literally the only point of reference I know is at one of my jobs, Moxie, um, we sell the card game, and I look at the pictures on the front of the card boxes. Better than that, like, I have no reference, and I feel like I really understood everything they were trying to accomplish. I understood each character. I understood, you know, assembling the Straw Hat crew. And I really hope that this doesn't get the Netflix curse of, you know, no season two, because I feel this is a fantastic show that if you watch it, even if you've never read or watched anything One Piece, I think you'll still enjoy it. So I'm going to give it a 4.2 out of 5. Like, I think it's very fun, and I think you'll have a good time watching it. Especially for Monkey D. Luffy. He was very good, very good. Alright, and finally, Fear the Night. So this is from uh, Neil Laboot, who brought us such interesting films as Nurse Betty and the Nick Cage Wicker Man. Yeah, very interesting uh, filmography for this guy. Um, And it has Maggie Q, who does not age as Tess. She is an army veteran who, you know, a struggling alcoholic, all this kind of stuff, who's going to one of her sister's bachelorette winkins, like, at this uh, house that their family has out in the middle of nowhere, when all hell breaks loose, and all these guys are trying to break in, and, you know, you find out information through the night, And so she, you know, being the only one who's faced stuff like this, she has to, you know, she has to kick some ass and take some names. And she does. And I gotta say, this movie had a lot of potential. Because Maggie Q is, you know, fantastic actress. Everything she does, even if the movie's not good, she's very good in it. She's just a strong presence when you see her on screen. But I gotta say, this movie, it was lacking in a lot of character development. Like, some of the characters were just too cliche flat. And I feel like they had too much going on, and they maybe should have 86 some of the different underlying storylines, so we would have had a cleaner narrative. But, I mean, like I said, Maggie Q's cool and there's a lot of kills so if you're into that i think you could enjoy it i wouldn't suggest renting but if this hits a streaming service for free i 100 percent think you should check it out but for me i'm gonna give it like a 2.9 out of 5 i just feel it dropped the ball on too much but maggie q and the cools were inventive enough that I think it could still be worth a watch. So there we go, guys. And um, next week, Trey and I will be in Universal Horror Nights. Yeah. So episode will be late. But let me tell you, when I get back, we got a banger of an episode coming at y'all. Because we have a lot of movies that you know have been very touted. And look forward to because 
um, while I'm on vacation, I'm going to go see Slaughterhouse. That's right, the Killer Sloth movie. I'm going to see Bottoms, which is the lesbian fight club like comedy. And also, um, by the time I get back, A Haunting in Venice will be out. So I'll go check that out. Hercule Perwall. So guys, we just appreciate y'all listening. We hope y'all stay tuned for all the episodes to come. And if you want to hit us up, let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. There are so many ways you can do it, but let me tell you the best ways. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok, a toast to film, all one word. Or look for us on Twitter, at film underscore toast. And from Trey and myself, we just wish you a good night and good viewing.